United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and the Division I women's college soccer season kicks off tonight. I'll have the call tonight on ACC Network Extra as the 20-plus national champion North Carolina Tar Heels host the University of Washington Huskies. These two teams met last year in the Sweet 16, and it was North Carolina 1, Washington 0. Washington is the real deal under their second-year head coach, Nicole Van Dyke, who had great success at Penn after winning a national championship as an assistant at Stanford. Nicole Van Dyke, who will lead Washington tonight, against North Carolina kicks off the show and then down the road here in North Carolina on Tobacco Road the Wake Forest Demon Deacons challenge every year for a national championship of course Jay Vitovich won it in 2007 when he left for the pros Bobby Muse who was coaching at Denver was the call Bobby Muse now in his seventh season in his first six years he's made it to two college cups including a college cup final in 2016 when they lost to Stanford in penalty kicks Bobby Muse's plug and play a wonderful interview so we kick off the college soccer season today with Nicole Van Dyke the head coach of the Washington women's soccer team who will take on North Carolina tonight seven o'clock ACC Network Extra and Wake Forest who start their season next week against VCU their top man Bobby Muse Nicole Van Dyke Bobby Muse after this message from our presenting sponsor Team Snap does managing your club or league feel like a second job if so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Kicking off today's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap with the head coach of the Washington Huskies, who in her first year, Nicole Van Dyke, led Washington to the Sweet 16, where they were knocked off a competitive game by North Carolina. And guess what? They start their season tonight, 7 o'clock at Dorrance Field. You can catch the game on ACC Network Extra. I'll have the call with Megan O'Keefe. And the head coach, Nicole Van Dyke of Washington, the Huskies, joins me now. Nicole, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I want to talk a little bit about last year, your first year at Washington, and then we're going to go backwards. But a phenomenal year, Sweet 16, strange conditions, but you must be super proud of the team and what you accomplished last year. Absolutely. I think any team that went far into this tournament, it's just a testament to the student athletes and the coaches and the team behind the team and everyone that was just supporting these student athletes. Cause you know, that everyone had their challenges and everyone has their stories, but you know, we just had a, a group that really just bought in and stayed the course and gained a lot of momentum along the way. And really, I think just committed, committed to the, to the process, committed to every day to just coming and getting better. And uh, the end result is that you know, we achieved our goals. Our goals were just to get to the tournament and make sure we were peaking at the right time. So to get to the round of 16 to play against the top team like UNC was fantastic. And yeah, oddly enough, we're starting with them this year. 
But I think, hey, we felt like we needed, we wanted 10 more minutes in that game anyway. So we're just going to get 90. That's awesome. <laughs> up tonight. Yeah, and we're going to get more into the game tonight. But first, you mentioned stories. I want to hear your story because it's fascinating. You had a great career at Cal State Bakersfield where you left as one of the all-time leading scorers. You're still second all-time in goals, 88 points, 36 goals, fifth all-time in assists. So what was it about Cal State Bakersfield that made you say, hey, that's where I want to play? You know, I came from a small town. I was from Palm Springs, California, and I got a great opportunity to go and play there. And I think if people think it's, oh, it's a small town, but gosh, we had great crowds. That's where I became a coach. You know, I, I got to work with a club team and, and high school and just got to do all these really cool things and was part of a successful program and team. And I think that's, you know, a lot of coaches have come out of there, which is a lot of fun as well. I think Jeremy Gunn at at Stanford is a product of Cal State Bakersfield as well. So yeah, it started with the, I guess what would one would perceive a successful career. Although I think that's why we coach because we don't play any longer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I enjoyed my time there and learned a lot as both a player and as a coach and I uh, had some, had some great mentors along the way. Yeah. You did play a little bit professionally, but when did you know you wanted to be a coach? I heard you just mentioned also youth coaching. So while you were playing and scoring all those goals, had you already started youth coaching or was that after your professional career? Yeah, I think that I had a younger sister as well, who was six years younger. And so I always got to dabble with a little bit of coaching there. And I love teaching. I am a teacher. It's just a different curriculum. And so I love that, you know, the ability to help and challenge and hone skills and then see, I think those players be able to, to do that and showcase themselves in games and get the results of all that hard work. So I think I really enjoyed that part. And just, I think as you continue on in your career, you, you recognize that you have a significant role in the development of, you know, 18 to, to 22 year olds, 23 year olds at this point with fifth year kids. But yeah, it's just, I've just, you know, continued to, I think, uh, surround myself by fantastic mentors and and learn from every stop that I've been at. You mentioned that you're coaching 23 years old. You became a head coach after going back to your alma mater, Cal State Bakersfield, as the assistant coach. You became a head coach at 23. Say the name of that university so I don't say it wrong, but at 23, you became a head coach. That's pretty impressive. I was a head coach at Cal State Stanislaus. And uh, I think that, yeah, at the time I was very young and I think the the great thing really is that I was pushed on by by people that believed in myself and I was also hired by people that believed in me and my development and so uh, I'm very grateful for all those opportunities because I think um, sometimes we wait for timing and the, the perfect timing and there really is no no perfect timing you know you have to believe in yourself you have to continue to develop and find ways that are going to help you be a successful person and coach and so I think that was the the most important thing about being a young coach. Okay, so then from there, your alma mater calls and says, hey, we've seen what you've done at Cal State Stanislaus. We want you to be our head coach. What an honor that is. Talk about that jump to go back to your alma mater and be the top gun. Obviously, the nostalgia feeling of just being able to coach at the, the place that you played and, and there's a little bit of that give back and there's a little bit of that, that pride and that you have for, you know, wearing that shirt. And so for me, it was an opportunity as they split the program to, to lead their charge into the division one era, unbelievably challenging. They weren't fully funded at the time. And, you know, we're still watering the grass and setting up the field. What a learning opportunity for me into the next level. And as I continued, you know, with my career and you always want to go out, you know, winning something and winning a championship. But I think the experience that I gained there just with 
building a program and putting them in a, in a situation to be successful. I think that's where I really learned just the, the small wins. You know, we, we had some really good results and knocked off some, some NC2A tournament teams. And I'm really proud of that, those moments there, because I think now that they're, you know, now they're in a conference and, and really starting to thrive. So always be a, be grateful for my alma mater and that experience. Your story reminds me a little bit of Jen Klein, the Michigan coach I have mad respect for. She became a head coach pretty young and then decided she wanted to work under Kadani McAlpine at USC before returning to be a head coach. I like your move to Stanford. Obviously, Paul is a legend in the game as well. Talk about that decision to go at Stanford. You were assistant coach for a couple of years. He liked you enough to make you the associate head coach before your big move to the Ivy League that we're going to get to. But talk about how important that move was to Stanford after being a head coach. Yeah. And first, uh, Jen Klein's fantastic. She's an excellent coach, exceptional person. And so to be named in the, in the same uh, sentence as Jen is great. She's done a lot for the game and she's done a great job at Michigan. So kudos to her. And yeah, I think just the move to Stanford was a little bit, uh, I think some people think, well, gosh, you're going from a head coach to an assistant coach. And for myself, it was an opportunity to be with one of the top programs and still is, and just the ability to work with the um, highest caliber athletes where you're working with national team kids and future professional players. And so the opportunity to also work with Paul Ratcliffe and Jay Cooney at the time to learn from those two, to learn from the players, to learn from the environment. Uh, it also allowed me, I think the opportunity to kind of take a, a little step back, I think as the head coach, you're kind of worried big picture and you've got your hands in everything. And it really allowed me to kind of go back to the individual and be able to pull players and, you know, do extra stuff and have a little bit more of those one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so I'll always be proud of that national championship with that group, a great learning tool, I think, how to manage players at the elite level. As we prepared for the game tonight, you admitted you're a California girl, but Penn, the Ivy League, they come calling and they want you and you led them to the 2018 Ivy League Championship. You were there from 2015 to 2019. As a California girl, talk about that process of leaving California and heading to the Ivy League on the East Coast. Yeah, I think my husband was a little more prepared to live in the city than I was. Uh, he's, a, you know, lived in the city in San Francisco. And so, but uh, I value my time tremendously at Penn. I worked with some fantastic student athletes who believed in, in something. And, you know, we set out to win an Ivy league title and, you know, hadn't done that. I think in, I believe maybe eight to 10 years or something um, to that extent, but I learned, I think from a league, from a professional development standpoint, the league is unbelievably professional. You're uh, coaching some of the most intelligent players in the country. And so you better know the rules of every game and every exercise you're doing. They're going to let you know. It was a great time. My, my two boys were born in, in Philadelphia, so I'll be forever grateful for that. And I think it was just an opportunity for me to take my experiences from all the divisions, you know, that I had been at Division Two, Division One, being um, with Stanford, having postseason experience, and then being able to take all those experiences to Penn, where I think I grew the most as a coach and as a person, and which allotted me a uh, you know, the opportunity to come here to the University of Washington. We're going to learn more about the move to Washington, who tonight will take on the North Carolina Tar Heels, 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. So pleased to be on the call and have the Washington head coach, Nicole Van Dyke, on today's United Soccer Coaches podcast. We'll be back after this message from our sponsors. 
Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We're joined by Nicole Van Dyke, the second-year head coach at the University of Washington, the Huskies, who went to the Sweet 16 last year in her first year. They played North Carolina in the Sweet 16, and they opened this season against North Carolina. You're at Penn. You're rolling along. We mentioned you're a California girl, so you clearly know about Washington as well on the West Coast. You heard that Leslie Gallimore is stepping down. How badly did you want this job, Nicole? When you think back now, did you was it one of those things where, man, I really, really want this, or I'm just going to throw my name in the hat casually? <laughs> I think it's the University of Washington. Uh, I think that it's you know, the, the history of the program, the traditions, the alumni network, the city of Seattle, um, everything that this, I think this university and athletic department stand for, they match my values. And regardless, no matter what, when you leave a university, it's, it's hard, you know, you're, you're having to say goodbye to programs you've, you've built or players that you've worked with, but the opportunity to also come home, you know, to, um, be near family and to be back on the West coast in the PAC 12 competing against and with the, you know, some against some of the top coaches in the country, the top players in the country is something that we get to do day in and day out. And then when you couple that, I think with just this institution and the fact that uh, it's not only high caliber athletics, it's also exceptional academics. And I think uh, that right there is uh, why I love my job. And I get to work with some fantastic student athletes. And you did it under tough conditions. You know, the Pac-12, like the Big Ten, didn't play in the fall. So, and like other leagues, whereas the ACC did play some in the fall. Can you just talk about some of the difficulties that uh, your team had to overcome to get ready and then make that amazing run to the Sweet 16? Yeah, and I think that at the time, you don't really think about it because you're just moving, right? And you're just kind of rolling. And I think this team, you know, we fortunately had the ability to spend a month together pre-pandemic. And I think in that month, you know, we were ready to, to hit the ground running. And so we hadn't played a game yet. You know, as much as uh, COVID has been challenging for everyone, I the relationships here were built on Zoom and not based on playing time. And so I think just building those relationships and the culture and the environment that we wanted to create for the program and build on the traditions and the legacy here, I think were really most important to us. And so as we continued, I think, to persevere, I think we went through that time. We kind of adopted the, the win, the wait. We knew eventually we'd come out of this and we wanted to make sure that we were ready and we were prepared. And so everything that we went through together last season, we did it together for the first time. You know, if we, we lost our first game together, figured out how to come back the next day. I think we played um, opponents that were fresh and we had just played a game and, and we, you know, we focused on, Hey, what we could do that day. And we're going to bring a hundred percent. If we could only give 80, we're going to bring a hundred percent to that 80. And so we really focused, I think on just what we could do and rather than what we couldn't, I think it was just that mindset. We reframed a lot and we were just considered it a season of gratitude because we were fortunate that. We were able to come back and play, be together, do what we love. And then through that, I think we just grew together. Everything that we went through, 
coaches, staff, we just grew together. And so I think that, that, that kept us pretty strong. It kept us resilient. We talk about resiliency and being resilient is something that we need to all, you know, we need to be more resilient, but I think we were resilient. Players had season ending injuries and someone else stepped up. And the reason that they stepped up is because they spent all their time before that, just being prepared and being ready when their name was called. And so a lot of testament, I think, just to the perseverance of the group, committing to the process and committing to each other, really. I'm sure all the teams out there have their stories of, of how their teams kind of persevered through. And I'm sure a lot of them are very similar. And, you know, we're just proud of the group. We're excited about this season. And we know that the seasons are different and that it's a new journey with new players. But we're just going to build on that success last year and and try to continue that trajectory. We're here with Nicole Van Dyke, the head coach for Washington. They'll take on the Tar Heels tonight. You talk about being resilient. You open on the road against UNC, and then Robbie Church has a pretty good team at Duke as well. The scheduling God's a little bit rough, but I feel like you're embracing this challenge and you're welcoming it with open arms. Yeah, well, the games are happening. So <laughs> we're we're showing up. Again, we our goals are to peak at the right time. I think we're, we're starting to get our legs. We're coming out of preseason. We've checked the boxes of where we think we need to be prepared and how we can go into this weekend. We're looking forward to some new kids being out there, some old faces, and just bringing that, that compete. That's where we thrive the most, I think, is just having fun competing and uh, representing this, this program and this institution. Just a few more questions for Nicole Van Dyke, and we'll let her go as she gets ready for tonight's game against North Carolina. Again, 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. So pleased to have her this morning on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. If you listen to the podcast, I ask people about mentors and memories. We'll start with mentors. Who are two or three people that you know you're always going to be grateful for, for getting you to where you are right now, Nicole? My college coach, Simon Tobin, I think he's just always encouraged coaching and there's a lot of players that have, that have come out of Cal State Bakersfield. And so I think just that, um, that continue to encourage that you can continue to develop and gain from your experiences and be ambitious and, and, and be a woman and have children and all those things. And so I think that's one. And also um, Julie Woodward at Seattle U. I knew Julie when I was a very young coach, I think just coming out of playing and you know, she's got her own like five aside team at home and just, yeah, being able to see her success and her also um, being an exceptional mother. I think just those role models in the game um, are really important because, uh, you know, there are challenges at times, but I think again, surrounding yourself by people that are doing it and that believe in you is I think the most important, you know, just having people that support what you do, believe in you. Those are the people you want to be around because ultimately uh, that's where you're going to find some success. We often talk about uh, the people with you. When you took this job, it was important to get a great coaching staff. Can you tell us about your coaching staff at Washington and why they were so important to be on your staff? You know, staff's important because um, they're, you know, they're in the gauntlet with you, right? And you want to look at your strengths and, and maybe we all have our own set of weaknesses that maybe we don't want to admit sometimes, right? But just surrounding yourself by people that make you better. Tina Ellardson here, she's a UW alum. She played here. She just bleeds purple. She's just a fantastic person, builds belief in our group. Same with myself. And I think she's just been a wonderful addition. Um, we just added another um, assistant coach, just tremendous amount of energy 
And again, I think it's, we're here to serve. So ultimately just reminding ourselves every day that we can serve and guide our student athletes and still win soccer games and really instill those life values that are going to help them be successful. Two final questions. You heard me say mentors and memories. I sandwiched your coaching staff in between it to give you a little bit of time. I like to ask for your best memory as a coach so far. Sometimes it's easy, Nicole. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to pick one, but does uh, one one come to mind as a coach? As a coach, uh, it'll be hard to probably top this one, but um, I think people are going to be like, oh, you're going to choose a national championship. That's not it. I think just my favorite memory is when we won our round of 32 game in the tournament last year. We knew that we'd be getting some players to join our team back. And so just being able to finish last year off as a group with everybody is something that I'll just never forget. You know, I think that going into the tournament, you want to win every game, you want to win a national championship, but ultimately it's about the girls that you're with and it's about your, your teammates and the players that you coach. And so to be able to win that game and finish with everybody there in North Carolina is something that um, I'll always remember. And it was the most important thing for the group. And so as a coach, you're proud. You're also inspired. Not everyone gets to get those opportunities. And so it'll be for one of my favorite memories. I love that answer because that means we'll see a lot of those players tonight against North Carolina. Final question for Nicole Van Dyke, the wonderfully talented head coach for Washington, who again takes North Carolina tonight, 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. In your growth as a coach, including a 23-year-old head coach, which is just amazing. At 23, I had no clue what I was doing I think it's so incredible, Nicole, and says a lot about you. I love that you also talked about your family, your husband, Jason, and your two kids, Rory and Riley. But how has United Soccer Coaches helped you develop as a coach? Like, gosh, it's sad. I think last year was the first year at my, you know, didn't get the the convention run. And so I, I enjoy going to the convention. You know, I think it's one of the the bright spots of the year where you get to reconnect and every year is different, right? You, you kind of go into it with, what am I, what do I want to gain out of this one? And so disappointed we didn't get that last year, looking forward to being back this year to reconnecting with some friends. Also, I was fortunate enough to speak at a few of them. And so that's been just a great opportunity, equally exciting as scary to be in front of so many incredible coaches. But yeah, I think it's just the opportunity for you know, coaches from all divisions, all levels to join forces and just learn from each other. And so appreciate everything you guys are doing and look forward to getting back to the convention. Nicole Van Dyke, the head coach of Washington tonight, will take on North Carolina at seven o'clock. Good luck to the Huskies as you take on the Tar Heels. Thanks. Go dogs. Go dogs indeed. Great to spend time with Nicole Van Dyke, the head coach of Washington. Next week, the men's college soccer season gets started. And what a job Bobby Muse has done at Wake Forest with the Demon Deacons. Now entering his seventh season, he's already led the Deeks to two college cups and he'll be looking to get his team back there yet again this year. Bobby Muse, top man, Wake Forest men's soccer when we return. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. 
This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, two big time college coaches kicking off the show as college soccer is getting underway tonight. As you know, Nicole Van Dyke and Washington will take on North Carolina. I'll have that call on ACC Network Extra. And then beginning next week, Wake Forest will open up their season with home games against VCU, Bucknell, and Cornell before starting the AC season on the road against Louisville. They are led now in their seventh season by one of the most talented head coaches in the college game. Great success at Denver for eight years. Now in his seventh year at Wake Forest, I'm talking about the man, Bobby Muse, the top man at Wake Forest. Bobby, I've been dying to get you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. What a great way to kick off the college season. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Dean. I, when I got your message the other day, I thought maybe someone canceled, and that's why you brought me on. But uh, we've been talking about doing this for a while. I'm excited to join. Well, and I want to get to know your story and then also find out how excited you are about the start of the season. So we'll start with that first. As I just mentioned, you have some exhibition games coming up, but you'll open the season against VCU, Bucknell, and Cornell to get you prepped for going on the road against Louisville. How has preseason been going? And you're just a week away. How are you feeling about this team, Coach? Yeah, I mean, it, there's still a lot of unknowns, Dean, right? I mean, I think he's, uh, we talked during the NCAA tournament going into the games in Cary uh, when we advanced here and extremely young team in the spring with losing so much uh, in the fall to spring, you know, and having the championship in the spring. Those guys got a lot of experience and we added some more young guys, uh, 10 freshmen to that group. So um, from May until August, we didn't get that much older. We got a little bit younger with some newer guys, but uh, I, the guys have been working hard. It's been exciting. It's great to be back on the field. It's great to be back in a locker room and in front of guys and doing real meetings. And, you know, um, it, it's, it's just exciting to be back to some type of normal, uh, you know, of a normal college soccer season. But uh, yeah, I think we, 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 we lost some special players, but we gained some really good ones. Um, so now it's our job as a staff and as a, as a club to, to develop some of the good ones into special. Uh, and because in this conference, you need special to win games. So, but we have a lot of depth. Now it's my job and the staff job to put the right guys on the field at the right times and the right situations, which is, it's going to be challenging because the guys are competing, but it's exciting at the same time. Speaking of special and exciting, I think about Wake Forest, I think about Spry Stadium, and I think about the incredible fan support you have. You've experienced now six years going on your seventh year. Can you put into words what it means to play in front of that environment, in front of those kind of educated fans? Not really, in some ways. I have to pinch myself every weekend when, you know, you're doing a starting lineup and the place is sold out already. And and, and that is, uh, I speak for myself, I speak for at least my rising juniors and seniors to say that we, we can't wait to have 
full capacity back at spry. Um, our rising sophomores and freshmen have never played in a full spry. You know, think about that with minimum capacity or even in the fall with no fans besides maybe 100 or 200. So to get full capacity back, I mean, you got to pinch yourself. We're excited. Um, we, you know, new, uh, new ticket endeavors with, you know, seat backs went into spry in the middle section this year. And um, we have over 650 season tickets sold for our, for our program already, which is uh, almost three times as much as we had a year ago. So this is excitement. Uh, this is excitement from the community. This is excitement from the program just to be back at full capacity. Well, we'll circle back to that opening game, but now I want to get to know you better, Bobby. Tell us uh, where you grew up. We know you went to Southern Connecticut and then went to UConn with Ray Reed, so that's going to be great. But before we get to that, tell us where you grew up, a little bit about your family and when you started playing soccer. Did you play other sports as well? Don't leave anything out, Coach. <laughs> well, I, we don't have enough time about my upbringing, I can tell you that. But uh, I grew up uh, on Long Island in New York, uh, East Islip High School. You know, I was blessed. Uh, I worked extremely hard, but I wa wasn't as talented as some. Um, but, uh, you know, grew up playing youth soccer with the likes of Michael Pecky. Uh, and Mike Pecky went to Southern Connecticut. We were freshmen together and played there. Um, he went on to do great things. I went on the coach. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously he ended up coaching as well. But as a player, one of the best players I've ever been around. But um, but no, it's it's uh, went to Southern Connecticut. In high school, I did. I played basketball. Um, I tinkled with lacrosse, which is every – uh, Long Island kid, you have to tinkle with some lacrosse. And I was a goalkeeper in high school, and I, that was my position, you know, throughout. But uh, I thought maybe I'd be a goalie in lacrosse until I got hit with one of those lacrosse balls. And I said, <laughs> soccer ball hurts a lot less. So uh, that was the end of that. But I love basketball. Basketball was a passion of mine as well. And I played all four years of high school in soccer. Decided to go to, uh, you know, to, to Southern Connecticut because, to be fair, you know, um, my grandmother and my, my grandfather through high school raised me and my sister. You know, when I when I met Coach Reed, the staff at the time was Brian Quinn, uh, Jim O'Brien. Um, George Kiefer was a senior at NC State, right? He was a senior um, when I was uh, a senior in high school. And ironically enough, he was my my host. Him and Boa Shoney, the Dartmouth coach, were my mm -hmm. student host when I went to uh, to Southern Connecticut. Boa Shoney still is the best college goalkeeper I've ever seen play. And um, but I, I needed mentorship. I needed leadership. I needed discipline. Although I probably was resistant to it as a Long Island punk going into college, I knew it was something that I needed uh, coming from, you know, my upbringing. So uh, made a decision to go and be around, you know, Coach Reed, John Dealey, I was remiss to say he was on staff, Ryan Quinn, all these people were Long Island guys. So I felt at home, you know, and, and, and Bo was a New York guy. George Kiefer was a Bayshore, um, New York guy, Long Island guy, um, and, and just felt at home, you know, but I, I, I knew from day one that I needed to, I needed to put up and shut up and commit to the game because I thought I was stepping into maybe a comfortable situation and it was far from comfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it was, you know, five or six goalkeepers at the time fighting every day um, to train, never mind play, and uh, was humbled real quick. But that discipline, that structure, um, the work ethic that uh, Coach Reed and that staff instilled with me is, I think, is one of the main reasons I'm successful here today. So when Southern Connecticut then knew that UConn was looking for a coach and you were going to make that jump, I mean, in today's world, the transfer portal is like really, really, you know, easy, you know, and kids yeah. are popping all over the place. How hard was it for you to make the decision that you're going with Reed? Were there any uh, hoops you had to jump through? No, just because my junior year, which was coaches last year at Southern, um, I had back surgery. I had herniated disc and nowadays, maybe you don't even go into surgery. You know what I mean? Probably a little bit more advanced rehab, but I decided to have it. 
Um, and after that, you know, coming back, I mean, I just, just writing on the wall, right? I, I tell my guys all the time is we want to be competitive, but we also have to be honest, you know, with ourselves and where we're at in the game. And the program was passing me by with injury, you know? Um, so with that being said, timing is everything. Uh, Jim O'Brien was my goalkeeper coach. Um, OB took over and started the women's soccer program um, at Southern Connecticut and uh, became the head coach there. And basically I was going to stay on with coach Reed and train the goalkeepers, you know, as a student coach. And then a month later he took the UConn job. So I was starting to make my coaching transition. I stayed at Southern Connecticut through the spring and created a great relationship with Tommy Lang. I still have a great relationship with coach Lang at Southern Connecticut coach now helped with that transition. Uh, Tommy will even tell you the story. I painted it. I painted his house during his transition as well. So I was doing a little bit of everything, a grunt. And then, um, you know, coach Reed asked me to come over, you know, and join that staff. So stayed at Southern for the spring and then joined coach in the summer. And um, I ended up finishing my diploma at, at UConn and really giving up the student life uh, to pursue my career in coaching. So what was your trigger point? Was it before you got to go to college or was it around all these great names? And by the way, we love dropping names on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. So you're fitting right in here as I knew you would coach Muse. But when did you know, you know, hey, I want to be a coach? You know, I, I don't know. I think it's I didn't want to do anything else. You know, I didn't really have a, a passion for anything other than the game at that point. And I also knew that I wasn't up to the level. The, the league was just starting. You know what I mean? Being professional, we all, I want to be, I watched the EPL review show. We didn't even have, you know, soccer on TV like it is now, right? But I will tell you this is, is Coach O'Brien, you know, uh, Jimmy O'Brien was our goalkeeper coach, but he also ran the goalkeepers um, for South Central at the time. It was a youth club back in the day in New Haven. And he you know, while uh, the club would hire us, some of the players to go out and help OB do the goalkeepers and to see the way the young goalkeepers looked, you know, up to OB myself as just even a young coach and maybe being able to just change maybe a, a technical thing. It actually was extremely empowering, you know, and rewarding. And at that time, you know, it was like, as a young guy, I used to hate getting up and going and doing it. But every minute that I was there, I savored and enjoyed um, and, and still have some relationships with people that used to train a long time ago. And, uh, I think that got me the bug a little bit is like, Hey, you can actually possibly influence people in other ways than being doctors, lawyers, businessmen, you know, attorneys, and, uh, just doing it a different way. So glad you got the bug. We're here with Bobby Muse, the head coach of the Wake Forest men's soccer team, always in the running to win a national championship. We're going to take a quick break and walk through all the coaching steps to land Bobby Muse back at Wake Forest, including incredible success at Denver as well. Bobby Muse on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college.
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snapper with Bobby Muse, the top man at Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons men's soccer team. Not only do they win a ton of games under Bobby Muse, they play attractive soccer. That's important to you, isn't it, Coach? Beautiful soccer, the beautiful game. It is. It is. I think is when I was, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but when I played at Southern Connecticut, I think we were above the curve. Um, of playing the game the right way. And then that transitioned with, with, with coaches, uh, Coach Reed's approach at the University of Connecticut being a possession-based um, you know, team, right? And keeping the ball and trying to play the game the right way. And then just escalated when I got, and I was able and very fortunate for the six years that I had under Jay Vidovich, um, you know, where it's like basically you're doing a coach's education each day uh, in training in, in and out of the office, to be honest with you, on the field, in the office, uh, where the man's brain doesn't stop. So um, it's important to me. It's not only important to me. I think it's important to the, the players that have played behind, you know, uh, before me, sorry, um, you know, and uh, the players that have moved on and, and watch our program play. I mean, you're in the booth with Austin on the weekends, right? Austin to lose. I mean, he, he wants to look back and watch the team play. Mike McGinty, which you know very well, wants to watch the team play. And there's a certain expectation of how we're supposed to play. And I think myself, the staff, the players understand that. And we take great pride in that as well. I went to break promising your path as a coach. You're already teasing it already. So nice job on the segue. But you go to Ray Reed and UConn, then walk us through the steps, including Wake Forest, so we don't miss anything. And then when you get the call to Denver, I want to talk about how exciting that was. But after UConn, where'd you go, Bobby? I, I was fortunate is where, um, you know, a turning point in my career, I, I remember it, uh, it, it happened twice with Coach Reed. Uh, number one is when I was a player after my freshman year, I'm reversing a little bit. Um, I was a, a typical young kid. And you mentioned the transfer reporter earlier. And, you know, um, I wouldn't say spoiled by any matter with the upbringing that I had, but spoiled in terms of my playing, right? And not really having to always compete to play. Uh, and when I got to Connecticut, Southern Connecticut, I had competition in everything that I did. And I was not doing well academically. Um, my first inclination at the end of the fall is I want to transfer. And then uh, I remember having a long conversation with Coach Reed and Coach O'Brien. My grandmother um, came up to Southern Connecticut. We had a long conversation and uh, obviously stayed at Southern. And we won a national championship the next fall. And I remember exactly the moment we were getting out of an elevator and Coach Reed looked at me and he said, aren't you glad you stayed? You're right. And you grinded through it and you got better because of it. Uh, and I remember that. Consequently, it, it happened again after my third year at UConn. Um, and uh, I was contemplating leaving. And there was a couple of different job situations and decided to stay at Connecticut. And uh, I remember one of the big reasons I stayed is Raheem Hancock. Um, you know, Raheem was at you know, South Florida as an assistant, head coach at Radford. Now he's at um, RG. And, and so for me, Rio Grande, very close relationship. He was the goalkeeper. I was training the goalkeepers. And I wanted to be with Bry and a team and, and coach another year. And uh, consequently, we won the national championship the next year, right? So awesome. again, aren't you glad you stayed in it with? Like, I got to listen to this guy more, right? <laughs> um, but the opportunity after that national championship was open, uh, you know, building relationships, being on the road. I met Coach Vidovich um, on our road trip that year before at, at Duke. We were playing in the tournament. And then Wake Forest came up in, um, in 2000 to play at UConn as well. So built that relationship through George Kiefer, through Paul McDonough, um, and when Paul McDonough actually left uh, and went to South Carolina, Jay called me and, and offered me an opportunity to come down, come down South to Wake Forest and the ACC. And at first it was like, what can I bring to the program? You know what I mean? As a, as a, 
you know, a young assistant from Connecticut, but I'm so happy he gave me the opportunity and spent a great six years with, with coach Jay um, learning the ropes, not only off the field, but what I feel it was, it takes to be successful uh, to be in Demon Deacon, which is a unique environment, obviously much different, small private school. Um, you know, I, I do think you gotta, you gotta make sure you're getting the right people to be a part of that. You know, it's interesting because if you would have stayed just one more year, right, before taking the job at Denver, you would have had another orangey glad you stayed because Wake yeah, Forest won the national been. championship. You were in the crowd. There's a great picture of you, like, in the crowd with all these famous people that have gone on to do great things. I mean, you came to that game to see them beat the Buckeyes and win the national championship, right? Uh, I was at I was at the semifinal. I was there. Um, I will tell you this. The administration, you know, Ron Wellman at the time, Barbara Walker was a sport administrator. Obviously, Coach Vitovich and the staff. Um, welcome. And I had passes, got in the locker room post game, you know, just mm -hmm. as a part of it. Um, Coach Jay sent me a national championship ring, you know what I mean, um, that year. So I didn't win it. I wasn't on the team, but man, they made me feel a part of it. And just to see your guys and, you know, people that you, you put so you, you poured so much love and time into um, reach that pinnacle, you know, of a program that I, when I first started, didn't know if we can ever win one. Now my job to go to work every day is to try to see if we can do it again. So it's, it's actually crazy how it's changed. I don't have regrets. I wish I was there for that week. Um, but, but the Lord has, has a path for everybody. And, and, you know, it's, I, I kicked myself for a couple of weeks, but um, the, the plan has worked out pretty well. What do you remember about the situation with Denver applying for the job? How bad did you want it? What do you remember about getting the job? And then, like we already mentioned, you had eight incredible years where five of them, you had double digit victories and you pretty much put Denver on the map. What do you remember about that whole process, Coach Muse? You know, I think I think every young assistant coach thinks they're ready to be a head coach, right? I mean, I've never been around with, oh, I'm going to be a head coach one day. Um, but I don't think we're ever ready. So um, I think I remember the process. I remember making a phone call. I think I was in Indy, walking on the streets of Indy, right? And I'm living in Winston-Salem. Like, I like this city thing. This is pretty cool, you know? And then literally maybe three days later, I was actually at the convention. And then when I was coming back, that's when I got the call from the University of Denver. And I talked to Jay, ironically enough, Jay did his grad school at DU, um, small world, right? Just the yeah. way it all goes and spoke about it. And I'm like, I literally got offered a job a month before that. And I had a really, really difficult time. Division one job in North Carolina, um, wouldn't have to move. And um, I turned it down, you know, to stay at Wake, which some would say maybe career suicide, but it was the right thing to do. And I felt really good about it. And then a month later, now here I'm going through this process again. So um, I wasn't really excited about the process starting again, because no matter what, it is stressful, you know, because you had to make big decisions. Never been to Denver before, um, but the commitment that Peg, Peg Bradley Doppis, the AD at the time, um, Ron Graham was my sport administrator, had towards the program and where they, you know, saw it going. Um, Jay and I sat down and had long discussions to say, this is something you probably can't pass up, right? They don't want to just be a division one program. They want to be an elite division one program. And I knew we had a lot of work to do. So, uh, nerves, um, anxious excitement. Um, but I know I learned quickly, you know, I wanted to try to, you know, to, to try to make big steps real quick and try to recruit the best kids I possibly could. Um, and, and, you know, uh, my wife at the time would remind me Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, and I wish I actually used that advice. You know, I, I was trying to force a culture instead of letting it like materialize and letting the guys, you know, really have the foundation for that. And, um, you know, looking back at it now, I wish there's a lot of things I could have done differently, but seeing, 
you know, um, where it's come from, from where it was, uh, built a stadium, a training facility, um, locker room, uh, and to see what Jamie's done with it since, um, you know, it makes me extremely proud of what we did while we were there. Well, you needed to be. I mean, your last three years, you won 35 games, coach. And obviously that put you on the radar for big schools and you spent time at Wake Forest. So when Jay Vitovich makes a decision to go into the professional ranks, how excited were you to be, you know, considered for Wake Forest and and talk about that process as well? Because, man, that's a big time job. It's got to be one of the top 10 jobs in the country. Easy. What do you remember about that process, coach? I probably remember every day since the day that I found out Jay was leaving. You know, a year before that, Jay and I spoke and because um, there were some professional opportunities possibly, you know, um, being offered to him. And uh, I said, Jay, I want to be clear. I don't want your job. I said, I don't want to be the guy to go in to mess it up. I said, I want to be the guy to go in after someone come out someone else comes in and messes it up and fix it. <laughs> I said, because obviously he's had such a great legacy, one of the best in the game. Uh, there was a lot of nerves of being the next guy where you cannot sustain what Jay did. Right. So, um, so then I had a year to, you know, and, and it was, we had that conversation a while ago and when the, the job opened, even Jay said, I didn't think you wanted it. And I'm like, I, I, I think I do, you know, and I think even my wife said to me, it's like, do you want it or do you want to see if you can get it? And that really hit me, you know, to say, I got to make a decision, don't I? Do you really want it? Because it's not fair to Wake Forest and how much I love the program. I mean, it's always been a part of me, even the eight years that I've been here, following the games, talking to former players, uh, good good relationships, still within the administration. So when it happened, um, it was not a, it, it, it started looking like it wasn't meant to be, D. I, I went to, um, I was speaking at a, a clinic in Hawaii. I took my daughter with me, uh, my oldest, my uh, younger sister flew with us and I was so distracted. I didn't, I didn't enjoy one bit of that trip because I knew the day that I flew home uh, the following day, I was flying to Winston for the interview. So, but what ended up happening, I missed my, I flew into Chicago. There was snow, missed my connection. I was supposed to go to Greensboro. Then they rerouted me to Charlotte. So I was talking to my wife. I'm like, I think this is a sign. This is not meant to be. <laughs> I got in around three 30 in the morning into Charlotte. Right. Um, I got picked up at seven and started the interview at seven on the drive from Charlotte. I was back at the Greensboro airport at four 30 that day, flying home, right? A day later, I get offered the job a day after that I'm flying in. So I get tired talking about it, but I remember, uh, when the job was offered to me, like, I was like, this is surreal, right? I never thought I'd ever be back at wake, never mind coaching in the ACC. Um, but it was an opportunity that was not just an easy say yes opportunity, or like most people would think. Uh, I made a very, very difficult decision uh, to move away from my daughter. Uh, my daughter still lives in Colorado. So that was an emotional decision, um, emotional conversation that you have with an eight-year-old at the time. So it's, uh, but I told her, uh, <laughs> you did the, she's, she's, she's an amazing young woman. Um, I told her that daddy would get her a cell phone if I ever had to move because of work. And then after about 10 minutes of crying, she asked me, am I going to get a cell phone? And then she wanted to know if we can get a cell phone case. So at that point, I knew I knew we were going to be okay, but um, not as easy, but exciting all at the same manner. 
it doesn't hurt that in just your six years already, you're going into your seventh season that two college cups, including the final in 2016 against Stanford, you made it back again just a few years ago in 2019. So you're right there knocking on the door. And I feel like you're going to tell me, I hope you will, Bobby Muse, that at Wake Forest, it's not just about winning ACC titles. It is about contending for national championships. Is that part of the end game at Wake Forest? Yeah, I think it's been an expectation that has been set here many years before Bobby Muse got here. Um, I think it's an expectation to win ACC championships and compete in the NCAA tournament when Walt Chiswick was here. You know, I actually, tonight we're honoring Walt uh, with our annual Walt Chiswick Clinic, which started years and years ago. Um, and you got to tell your players. And I just told them, I, I just said, hey, guys, you know, there's storms through the area, as we all know, in the summer in the south. And I said, some of you guys may sit in your room hoping that maybe a storm comes. And I said, but... Uh, we want to have it because we want to we want to honor Walt where basically he took a chance on Wake Forest. Wake Forest did not take a chance on Walt Chiswick. I can tell you that with his pedigree and his resume. So um, I think we're all here today because of that. So for me is that's been an expectation for many years before me and these guys got here. Um, but I tell people, you know, playing in the ACC, I think the ACC championship trophy is the hardest trophy in college soccer to win the best soccer conference in the country. And you can argue this team does this and this team, but from top to bottom, um, there's no better college soccer conference in the country. Um, and to do that week in and week out, I salute my players. You know, the pressure and the expectations that are put on them externally, as you're just saying, is an expectation to win. Um, we have that internally as well. So for their consistency over these last six years, uh, I commend each and every one of them who puts the jersey on. It is, it's not easy, you know, when you're playing midweek games where that's a big game on everybody's schedule. And then, oh, yeah, you have to play Clemson or Carolina or Louisville or Syracuse or Duke or Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, it just goes on and on. So there's no day off. Loving this conversation with Bobby Muse, the top man at Wake Forest, who, again, will kick off on the 26th against VCU. Then they've got Bucknell and Cornell. Then they start that tough ACC season at Louisville. Bobby Muse, uh, you mentioned family. I know you've got several kids. I'd love for you to plug. Several. All, yeah, <laughs> plug sounds like a lot, team. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, uh, tell us your kids' names and, and what they're up to. Uh, my oldest is Cameron. Uh, Cameron Marie is 15. She just started her sophomore year in Parker, Colorado. She's a volleyball player. Um, she is uh, every bit as competitive as myself, uh, does not like to lose. And, uh, and she, she, like me as well, she has a tough time of hiding it and showing it, uh, which I'm actually proud of as well, uh, to see her fire. But to see her fall in love with the sport um, makes me one of the proudest guys in the world. So uh, Cameron, although in Colorado, we speak every day at least once. Uh, and if we don't talk, there, there's a problem. So more of me calling her. As a sophomore, if she calls me, I know she needs something or uh, <laughs> I need to Venmo money or something. It's not because she wants to say, Daddy, I miss you. Uh, and then my two little ones. Um, I have a six-year-old daughter, um, Blakely Rose, um, which is six going on 46. One of the most <laughs> intelligent women I've ever been around at, at age six. And then my son, uh, the Lord blessed me with a boy, um, Ryland, which is uh, he's, <laughs> he's five going on five. <laughs> so uh he's a little boy but uh to be fair is COVID has thrown a wrench into the whole family situation they've been in Colorado last year last year and a half um but back here in North Carolina so to see them in the bleachers and interacting with the student athletes again you know I do I have three children but I got 28 you know uh, other members of the family too that were all close and um I take great pride in having my children you know my biological children around my family being the, the team because uh, I'm super blessed 
with the human beings and the young men that I get to work with every day. And I want them to be around my kids. I don't know if there's a lot of people that can say that. Maybe you want to keep your guys far away. Um, I want my little guys uh, and my kids around my team as much as possible. Well, and your family's even bigger because I did a Wake Forest women's basketball game and Coach Hoover was hitting a milestone win. And I reached out you for a statement that blew my mind that I read on the air, Raycom. It was a nationally televised game. And that gave me the sense that, you know, hey, he's been there six years, but he already feels like he's deeply entrenched. Plus you had all that time with Jay as well. You love the entire Wake Forest family, not just your soccer family. Oh, it's, it, it's the, the, the culture and the relationships that happen, you know, um, John Curry's only been here what, almost two years, you know, and you think that we've been working together for 10. Um, but coach Hoover, coach Clawson, I mean, to- coach Presky, coach Deleuze and I, obviously we go back where I coached Austin and Tony was the women's coach. And I was here with the men. I mean, the relationships that I think, you know, coach Averill, you know, She's the goat of field hockey in America, in my opinion, you know, just to be able to walk down the hall and and see Jen full of energy at her age and the years that she's done it and the amount that she's won. If that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what does. But yeah, it is a, like I said, I said it earlier, Wake Forest is an extremely unique institution. It's a unique athletic department. We're a small school, one of the smallest um, in terms of student populations for a 1A, you know, a championship BCS football program, you know, and I think is we got to do things together. You know, like I said, like little old Wake Forest, you know, we, we, uh, we got, we got a big bark though, right. With a big bite. And I think, um, I'm just lucky to be a part of it. Bobby, I'm going to ask you to open up here a little bit. If if you can, since we're talking about family, you mentioned that you were raised by your grandma and grandpa and you've accomplished all these great things and now are proud dad. What can you share with us about that situation? Well, I, I know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my grandmother. Um, my grandma's 90 years old and she retired at the end of June. Right. So that's a walker hard to get around. Um, she, uh, she's quick witted. She's the first one to put me in my place. Uh, we have a, um, a unique relationship where I, I tell her how I feel and she tells me how she feels in a joking, but serious manner. Um, we, 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 we get after each other pretty good. Um, but no, I think is, uh, the way she kept or really the way her, her inability to say no to anybody, you know, I think is, uh, has humbled me, you know, she's, working at the, the thrift shop at the church. She's on the altar guild, setting up the altar um, at an Episcopal church that we were, you know, that I grew up in and she still goes to religiously um, to, you know what I mean? Working at the school district for the last whatever years, you know, so her hard work, her humility, uh, um, you know, she doesn't come from much, but uh, she gives out a lot more than she, than, than she made for sure. But I think I am the, the man I am today and I have the work ethic that I have today because of her. What can you share with how it was it came to be that they raised you, Bobby? Ah, oh, I mean, it just divorce and, you know, split family. My mom, you know, um, I mean, my mom and I are still close. Um, my mom uh, had to work a lot, you know, and in terms to, to try to, to support the, my sister and I. And uh, it, it turned out that way. And then my mom remarried, you know, started a new family. And my sister and I were very comfortable in a good situation, you know, with our grandparents raising us. So my mom right now is living with my grandmother in the same house that I got raised in. And she did. So it's, uh, you know, we're a small family, um, but uh, we look after each other. Well, one of the things that uh, thanks for sharing that and opening up about that. And obviously you turned out great and your grandma must be super proud and working till 90 shows that uh, she's super, super bright and did a great job with you. And I'm sure with your sister as well, but we're also super tight at United Soccer Coaches. We take care of each other. How has United Soccer Coaches helped your development over the years? No, it's been great just to be a part of a coaching family, 
You know, um, I think it's nothing better than even if you think about what COVID did, you know, and um, just videos and doing podcasts or um, webinars and just trying to keep people connected. You know, I think it's been incredible to go to the conventions and network um, the relationships that I built through those events. Um, you know, just being on committees and regional committees or ranking committee, I mean, you name it. Um, I was fortunate to be on the search committee um, here with the college coordinator as well. So uh, I just met so many people and take so much, you know, great pride in it. And my most of the time we do everything we can based around the schedule for myself and my entire staff to be at the convention and um, go around, learn as much as we can, network as much as we can. I also, we need to, we need to use these opportunities where I used to be one of the the, the up and coming, maybe young coaches. And I was telling a couple of people the other day, I said, I don't think we're the young ones anymore. And we need to network with some of the real young ones because we're, we're starting to push on. Um, but no, it's been, it's been a great part of my success and uh, my past and hopefully my future. It's been great following your success. It's been great to get to know you here and there and call some of your games. I'm pretty sure I think I'm doing a Wake Forest NC State game later in the season and look forward to that as well. And I look forward to watching you guys as you take on VCU on the 26th, Bucknell and Cornell. Then you head on the road against Louisville. Coach Bobby Muse, congratulations on all your success at Wake Forest. And thanks so much for being a part of our college soccer division one preview show on the United soccer coaches podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Bobby Muse, what a great coach. What a great interview. He's plug and play, as we say, in the media world, giving everything you need about his team and his path and everything else. Love talking to Bobby Muse and not surprised at all with his success at Denver and now at Wake Forest. Don't be surprised if Wake Forest contends again for a national championship this year. I want to thank Nicole Van Dyke. Again, I'll have the call tonight. Washington versus North Carolina women's soccer, 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. And then Bobby Muse and Wake Forest start their season next week against VCU. Kind of our college soccer preview here with the Washington women's head coach and the Wake Forest men's head coach. I want to thank all the great people as well at United Soccer Coaches. Sean Chevrolet, Bailey Conklin, Erica Dyer, Jonas Wirth, Jeff Van Dusen, Rusty Kugler, the entire gang for each and every one of them and all of you as well as our producer Colin Thrash. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.